May 18, 2022. It's what for B Row Show. Well, when you're standing up there playing like that, uh, how do you hear the changes? Do you do you think of the changes as you're as you're going along, or does the bass player suggest them to you with what he's playing? Or? Yeah, the bass player. He, I count on him. You know. Well, what does he actually do? This, like when like when Wilbur would be would be playing bass, would he play like the the dominant note in each uh, in each chord? So I don't know how you phrase this, but well. Well, at times, but a bass player like Wilbur Ware, he's so inventive, man. You know, like he he doesn't always play the, <laughs> the dominant notes. Mm -hmm. he, uh, but whatever he plays is, is a suggestive note that, that gives you an idea of which way the changes are going. Yeah, it, it may be. Yeah. It, it might not be. But Wilbur, he plays the other way sometimes. He plays he plays things that. Uh, they're kind of, you know, they're foreign. Mm -hmm. Well, if you didn't know the song, well, you wouldn't be able to find it, <laughs> you know, because he's superimposing things. He's playing around or under or over, or something, you know, building tension. Mm -hmm. So that when he comes back to it, you know, you feel everything sucks in. Yeah. But usually I knew the tune, so I mean, it was all right. I knew the changes anyway, so we managed to come out to the end together anyway. <laughs> Which always helps. Yeah, we managed to finish on time. Yeah. A lot of fun playing that way, though. Yes, a lot of fun. So sometimes he he would play, he would be playing auto changes, and I would be playing auto changes. Yeah. And he would be playing some other kind of other changes from the type I'd be playing. And neither one of us playing the changes in tune until we reach a certain spot, you know, and then we if we get there together we're lucky, you know, that's
for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Yeah, we, we start off the show with uh, John Coltrane talking to August Bloom about hearing chord changes in 1958. Then we heard Shore Leave on Fair Ganesha by the Royal Arctic Institute. And my uh, guests are John Lyle from the Royal Arctic Institute. Welcome aboard, John and Lyle. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Yeah. Long time no, no, long time no spiel. No spiel. So, so who wants to go first? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> I want to know about your musical journey. Okay, Lyle, you want to you want to hit that? Okay, sure. Okay, Lyle, uh, please bring your earliest musical memory, please. Of John or the whole thing, the whole musical memory. I'm going to repeat what I just told you or asked you. Okay. Please okay. bring your earliest musical recollection. Oh man, oh man! I uh, was sitting in the back of the car and uh, with my parents uh, driving and uh, them singing along with Sinatra jams. That was uh, that was a very vivid memory of mine uh, growing up. And. Uh, uh, the pad, the pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? Uh, yeah, we had a piano, and uh, you know we had the mandatory. Everyone tries to play. The I don't piano. know. That's why I'm asking you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. But you know, it just seems to be pretty standard stuff. So we uh, had the piano. Uh, my brother and I both tried. Uh, uh, did you have? For- can I ask you? Sorry to interrupt, but did yeah. you have the nightmare of the piano teacher thing? No, she was. Uh, you know, they weren't that bad. It was just. You know what was really happening was I was playing piano and then uh, uh, punk rock came along and uh, there wasn't a lot of piano in that punk and hardcore stuff, you know. So uh, I, that's why I kind of shift my journey over to the drums because uh, even though there was definitely some great keyboard guys like you know Steve Naive from uh, Elvis Costello and the Attractions and Johnny Fingers from the Boomtown Rats, all those cats, uh, it seemed like uh, yeah, there was more opportunities if. Uh, when I was asked to play drums in the hardcore band, just to say yes, I know how to play drums. I want to go. Be, I, I want to go before that shit. What, what about yeah. what about in school? Like, were you in the choir or the marching band? No, no, I wasn't any of that shit. The closest I okay. Did was t- the, let me ask you: first record yeah. you bought with your own money? Ooh, that's a really good one. That's a really good one. Uh, you know, it might have been something like. Uh, uh, oh, you know what it was? It was uh, Stevie Wonder's uh, Songs in the Key of Life. I remember uh, my dad driving me to Corvettes to buy it, and it was uh, $3.99 for the double album, booklet, and the single. And what was the first gig you saw? Uh, the first gig I saw was my brother was uh, taking me to gigs, and I saw Fleetwood Mac on the Rumors Tour in like, 78 or 79 or something like that. And so first, uh, well... Piano used to be in the rhythm section, but when did you get on drums? Okay, so that now, you know, jumping a little ahead, it was, uh, I was just hanging out at a Dead Boys gig, and uh, my buddy Jesse Malin introduced me to the guys who became the Misguided, and they said, do you play drums? I said, no. And I was like, do you guys know how to play? And they said, no. So we decided to go uh, and uh, try to figure it all out together. Well, how'd you so, get your first drum set? Uh, I was using my buddies, uh, Danny, uh, Danny Sage, who was a old hardcore dude. He was in the heart attack for a while and degeneration. He was a drummer and I was using his kit. Speaking of degeneration, we just lost brother Howie. I know. I know. Very sad. uh, Tough times. Very sad. So, so So, you, uh, you, you were borrowing a set. Yeah. 
kind of left it in my basement. He went to learn how to play guitar, and uh, so uh, he kind of just kind of left it there, you know. And um, and uh, so I just kind of kept on working on that. And so no, no teacher. Oh no, no I was too punk. Okay, so well, George Hurley, the way he learned was he got the Who, My Generation album. And uh, Billy Cobham Spectrum. Ooh, yeah. Can I tell you? Can I tell you a George Hurley and me story? I know it's a little early, but I'd like I'd like to tell you one. Uh, you know, we played that uh, show at the Firehose, Dostom and the Firehose. Uh, when you, I think it was your, might have been your LA debut or something at the LA Anti Club. And uh, Hurley was watching me break down my drums, and he told me I was striking my hi hat stand all wrong. And he taught me how to do it so I wouldn't bend the rod. So that's been with me ever since. Of all the things, I used to watch him all the time and rip off, try to play like him. But that was a hardcore lesson. Like He was like, dude, you don't know how to strike your stand. This is how you do it. And I, and I didn't. And that was great. So I always think about that. So you did have a teacher. I guess so in that moment, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, later in life, I did. The only, hardcore, only time when I was punking was uh, Jack Rabbit came over once, and he also told me uh, that I was playing the bass pedal all wrong. Even said, worse? Yeah. Said, yeah, well, like let me uh, enlighten the listeners the fact of uh, Jack Rabbit has had this zine out for years, but he was also drummer yep. man for a band called Even Worse. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I was playing the bass pedal flat foot, and he said, you got to use your toe, you got to squash it like a bug. And that's a, those are good life lessons. Yeah, yeah. So it's a couple teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, can you can you remember the first gig you ever played? First gig I ever played. Yeah, I was in a a punk rock cover band with a couple of friends, including Dave Motamid, who we still play with now. And uh, we played the library of my school. They had a little club, and we played like. Uh, I was playing keyboards. I did play keyboards on that. We played Strangler song. So you you, uh, you used your p- uh, piano knowledge. Yes, yeah. I had a Univox. And um, eventually, oh, you know what? I remember the Univoxes. They had three sounds, right? Piano, cla- clavichord, and harpsichord or something. Yep. So then for 99 bucks, I responded to this ad, uh, New Wave Organ for sale. And I went and bought it. And it was uh, an ace tone that I schlepped around to all my practice spaces and eventually ended up being a a very big part of the Yola Tango musical uh, sound. They just took it and they just, you know, used it because we were sharing a practice space. So you actually did gig, your first gigs weren't on drums. It was on keyboards. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, even with, I was in a lineup of Heart Attack that played a CB's audition and I played uh, keyboards on that. Yeah. So okay, so uh, you didn't really give up keyboards as a kid. You just well, you stopped taking the lessons. Yeah, yeah, they gave up the ghost. Yeah, because everyone was like, you know, we're into the damned and the the damned had keyboards, the Ramones and all the you know all the bands, you know, and there was just there's more opportunities to try to. Well, one of my trios is the Second Men, and they're just uh, organ, drums, yeah, yeah, bass, sort of like a. Emerson, Lake and Paul. Oh, what was that Canadian band? Triumvirate. Triumvirate. Rat. <laughs> Rat. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Uh, no, 
yeah, we just played with this really good band called Clam, and it's just keyboards, bass, and drums, and they're total, totally in that genre as well. I was like, leave those guitar players behind. Sorry, John, but it's not. It's okay. Well, you know, rock it's and hard. roll, I got to tell you, rock and roll is actually piano music. Even yeah. Chuck Berry, his, his piano man was writing the songs. But they're kind of, well, now we got Casios and stuff, but they used to be hard to move around. Like you were talking yeah. about schlepping that organ. Yeah, yeah. New wave organ. Yeah, I know. Now it's easy peasy. You got all those sounds. You can program them and just knock them out. And, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And then the whole idea of you got a button for each note. Yeah, because uh, Royal Arctic, we have a, a keyboard guy, and he gets all the sounds he wants in the world out of just one little keyboard. It's insane. You know, I don't even, I, I can't even comprehend how he does it all. But uh, that's what he does. You know, he wants the Mellotron, he hits the button, he's got it. You know, he, he hits all the good sounds. Talk about heavy schlep, a Mellotron. Because <laughs> they had eight fucking yes. tape recorders. Yes, yes. Right? But, uh, not, any, not anymore. Was that uh, Strawberry Fields? Yeah. Something, yep. something like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, you you say that first gig in the library, you were doing copies of uh, Stranglers. Was that gig a success? Eh, not necessarily. You know, there were, I mean, we kept on, you know, uh, I'm very good at just keeping the blinders on no matter what music or whatever band I'm in. So we kept on doing them. You know, we did a few gigs as covers and stuff like that. And um, it wasn't until I hooked up with uh, Jesse, Heart Attack, that we, uh, and Jen that uh, I even comprehended doing originals. You know, I didn't think that was a thing that... Good. Can you remember the first song you wrote? Oh, I didn't write any of them. I was just playing along. No, but I'm, did you ever write a song yourself? Mm, not really. So okay. Dom and I wrote some lyrics. I definitely wrote some lyrics for Das Domin, but not... Uh, Music. Okay, I'm gonna music. play. I'm gonna play some Das Dumbin. Uh, trick question. That was a trick question.
Leben ist schön, die Luft ist rein und so und so soll es immer sein. La 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 la, wenn ich über die Straße gehe und die vielen Häuser sehe, denke ich mir das. Leben ist schön, so soll es ewig weitergehen. La la la, das Leben ist schön, die Luft ist rein und so soll es immer sein. Das Leben ist schön, die Luft ist rein.
Watch for Pedro Show. Heard Das Diamond starting off that chunk of music with Trick Question. Then XV with We Begin Again. Alexander von Borsig after that with Das Leben ist schön. Can't Burn Digital Books. Demo from MB Jones. Model Home, Live in the Yard. Atmosphere with Melting a Piece of Cadmium. Noisuka, Somber Assessment. Carnation Lily, Lily Rose from Mike Bamford for String and Tins. And finally, $2 Guitar, the Well Song, which is good for you, John. You, you're the, your band with Steve Shelley, right? Okay, please bring your earliest musical memory. Earliest musical memory was my dad playing Sergeant Pepper and... Uh, and me running in circles around the coffee table whenever he would play it. <laughs> so he was a musician? Or was he playing? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually third generation. Yeah. My grandfather uh, and my great uncles had a jazz band uh, during World War II. And then, you know, growing up, my dad grew up in the 50s and 60s. And he was he was a hell of a drummer. And... You know, played in all of these really great '60s pop bands down on the Gulf Coast, and so yeah, yeah, that's how I got started. Okay, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Machine Gun Etiquette by The Damned. And what was the first gig you saw? First gig I saw was uh, <laughs> Alabama. Okay. <laughs> the group- the group Alabama at the uh, Shrimp Festival in uh, in Gulf Shores, Alabama. And uh, in grade, grade school, were you in the fucking marching band or choir, shit no, like that? No, but I started playing guitar when I was eight. And so while all the other kids were out doing all that stuff, I was I was at home practicing, practicing my butt off. Yeah. Practicing. Did you have a teacher? I had a bunch of different teachers over the years, yeah. Uh, when I first started, my uh, my parents got me this teacher at the, the local music store. And God bless him, you know, he was he was trying to teach me the quote-unquote right way with the, with the Mel Bay book. And, you know, I, I wanted to be Brian Setzer. And he was trying to teach me how to play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. <laughs> and I got I got discouraged, and then I finally got this really great teacher when I was about nine, who realized that if she was going to keep me interested, then she had to be able to teach me how to play along to records. And so she taught me all the basic chords and would write out these very simple chord charts for stuff that I was seeing on MTV. MTV. That's great. So you guys are kind of young, huh? Uh, what about the first gig? First gig, I was 13 years old, and I played at an all-ages club in my band at the time. Uh, where kind of like Lyle, we were we were a punk rock cover band. We were playing songs. That's so trippy. By... I remember the minute, That's really trippy for me because punk bands were all about writing your own songs. And but but I remember a Minutemen tour, early Minutemen tour. One of those kind of bands opened up for us in Oklahoma City, and I was like, "Whoa!" Because, you no, know, it's just my personal experience. I before that, everybody copied songs, 
But then when I, I heard a punk band do that, I mean, a whole set of them, and they were like Sex Pistol, uh, Damned, Clash, you know. Right. And uh, like a top 40, but a, you know, punk. <laughs> and it, it just tripped me out because I, and I, when I look back on the old days, too, I, I, I really think that the movement was a reaction to arena rock. Because we didn't really know about club music. And if there was club music, it was people doing top 40, right? Copying the popular songs. Now, was this gig for you, John, a success? Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The other kids loved it. You know, we we were playing stuff that we heard on our college radio station. We were doing a lot of gun club songs and the cramps, a bunch of Dead Kennedy stuff. Stuff like that. And the, you know, it, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, where there wasn't a whole lot going on. So anything like that, the kids ate up, you know. What, what's that band? XBX? XRBX? EB? It was Three Brothers. They were from Mobile. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I got a buddy there named Todd. He's been doing music for a, a while there. And, uh, you know, Sly Stone said something. It's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, were you like loud? Did you never write songs? You, you must have wrote songs. Uh, can you remember the first song you wrote? Um, I mean, I started writing songs. I don't know. I guess I was about fifteen. Yeah. Um, I I don't remember the first one. Um, I I was in bands with guys who were a lot older than me, and. You know, I would contribute, but they were the main songwriters in that stuff. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, XBXR. He's, he, he, he changed his name, one of the, the brothers. He's called Vice Cooler now. Or, oh, my God, I've never heard of that. But his name was Chris before, touched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. My memory is, is terrible. Anyway, anyway, uh, I'm just thinking of Mobile. And Dauphin Street, right? That's the big street there. That's the big street. Yeah. I played a lot of gigs on Dolphin Street. And people, uh, uh, people don't realize it's kind of a miniature New Orleans in a way. Very, very, yeah. very miniature. It's, it's the birthplace. It's, like, it's the actual birthplace of Mardi Gras. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. And, and uh, uh, French and uh, Spanish and uh, yeah, a lot it's of traditions go, uh, in there. Only, only Catholic places of the South and stuff. Yeah, I mean uh, it's it's unlike anywhere else in Alabama. One time I, w- I sat in a church, uh, uh, this grass in front of this old church, and while a, a lightning storm was going on, man, it was like tearing cloth, <laughs> ripping and uh, chain lightning, you know, behind the clouds and shit like that. It was pretty amazing. I, in fact, my last time I played there was the day we lost Jack Bruce. And it, oh, t- wow. it tore me up, man. I, I found out right before the gig, and I, I played terrible. And then after I drank a bunch of bourbon and watched the YouTube.com videos of him, you know, and just crying. I owed that man so much. So oh, much. Wow. So uh, uh, t- tell me about a little Bob $2 guitar. Uh, that's, a, that's a question for Lyle. Okay, so... Uh... Two dollar guitar. Our our two degrees of two dollar guitar is the bassist Dave Botavin, who was the bassist of uh, Royal Arctic, and he was a bass player in the Misguided, and he was at my bar mitzvah, and he was at Das Domin. 
So he was also in Two Dollar Guitar. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So that was our, uh, so we threw in a couple of songs from like where everyone in our band, all the bands that we've all played in, and Dave was, you know. Okay, okay, so so guitar. what we did was yeah. we took some of the Arctic Okay, yeah. these first couple tunes. You know, I just got a, bu- a bunch of tunes from you guys, so I didn't know who was on what. Well, I knew how you were yeah. in Das Dama. I knew that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, John, I didn't mean to fuck up like that. <laughs> that's all right. So what else do we got in there? We got uh, Misguided. That's me. That's my hardcore band. I'm on the drums there. John, what did you put from you in there? Yeah, but uh, n- next hour we'll play some Misguided. We'll play some Head Brain. We'll play some Wardrobe the summer wardrobe yeah. and we'll play some reunion but we're at the end of the first hour now yeah okay, okay people may 18th 2022 just walk peter show hold tight with lyle and john from the arctic royal arctic institute hold tight for hour two may 18th 2022 it's the second hour of the waffle pedro show
yourself at war Watch waterfalls of pity roar You feel to moan but unlike before You discover that you'd just be one more person crying
place so rough Walk upside down inside handcuffs Kick my legs to crash him off and say Okay, I've had enough, what else can you show me?
Well, for Pedro Show, start off the second hour with Headbrain doing The Day the Earth Turned to Stone. Simon Grab after that brand new coma, and it's the Bit Turner remix. Seedsman to the Word, World, not Word, what? Uh, that's Blood. Uh, Kudalini from Valentina Goncharova, the re release, right? The Ukrainian uh, musician, I mean, from late 80s. Uh, re-released it. Uh, Sam Lock Ward, Bob Bunko Jr. with Sports Bar and finally Reunion. 
with Halls. So who's connect is re reunion? Lyle, John? Yeah. Re I don't know. Uh, uh, the, name of the, the band or the track? Yeah, the band. <laughs> the band. The track is Halls. Wait, re repeat that last part? Reunion is the name of the band. Hulls is the name of the song. Man, that ain't us. Okay, well, there's another fuck up. <laughs> it was in the batch of songs that I got from Howard. Okay, who's, who's connect is Headbrain? All right, there you go. That, John, you got that one. Headbrain is the experimental trio of our keyboardist, Carl Bagley. Okay. Every Everything on that record is completely improvised. Ah, we had a band like that to hear called Paper Bag, right? Yeah, yes. And they were, yeah, yeah. They, they were, they they never did the same song twice. Nope. <laughs> they were always ma making it up and stuff. And uh, well, look, let's get caught up to date. The Royal yeah. Arctic Institute. How did that All come right. about? Um. Okay, well, I uh, I had lived in Austin, Texas for about 15 years and moved to New York not for any musical reasons. I, I had kind of thought that my music career was over, and I, I came up to New York to go to grad school. And I was just working on that, and then by accident, uh, I met our first bass player in the, in the, in the Institute, and we just got together to play a little bit, and it clicked, and he introduced me to Lyle, and the three of us played for a while, and, and it felt good, and I thought, well, I guess this isn't over for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's that's kind of how we got started. Yeah. And uh, when we first jammed, you know, you might uh, know the, like, the first bass player guy was a uh, Jerry, Jerry Smith, he was in this band Phantom Tollbooth. So yeah. he was another, you know, yeah, so he was a great bass player. And so we were doing, a, you know, we were just jamming, and pretty early on I was like, Let, well, let's, no vocals, let's just do this, like, kind of, you know, Tom Berlane, Bill Frizzell, uh, you know, kind of instrumental thing and just keep on working on that. But, but I, I don't understand. He's a bass player, you're a drummer. And why yeah. you why you mention these three guitars? Because <laughs> that was what was, uh, John was presenting. There we go. Oh, yeah, guitars. but uh, you guys were playing first, and then John stumbles into it, right? No. No, no, no. It was John. It was Jerry and John, and I stumbled in. So okay. They were, okay. Uh, okay. They're already hooked up a little bit, but I was kind of like. If we're gonna really be a band, let's do a you know, let's try it. Because we we're like, oh, we should get a singer, singer, singer. And I'm like, nah, singers are boring. Let's just get a, let's do a, let, let's have the music do the talking, and let's just play. Okay, and, who, uh, who, 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 who's the who connected to the summer wardrobe? That's me. Okay, John. I was, I was the pedal steel guy in the summer wardrobe. I want to play some right now. Okay.
and amazing uses for life. The most familiar is the visible light, the kind of light we see and see by. Things I don't wanna see. Things I don't wanna see. It's more fighting than you see. 
Watt for Pedro Show. Started that chunk of music off with the Summer Wardrobe doing one more try. Then Nels Klein and Elliot Sharp. There's some guitar players. Blue <laughs> Blue Particles. And uh, also Nels Klein now in New York. Ten years now, I think. Uh, Northern Jaw with We Are the Light Eaters. Midex with Skinheads on a Raft. Ray Shin with Don't Panic. And Misguided with State of War. Yes. There's some hardcore. So yeah, wicked, wicked, wicked hardcore. OG, OG. So, uh, John, tell me about the, your uh, pedal steel. Man, those are intense to play. Well, was it 10-stringer? I have a Universal 12, which 12. takes the two 10-string necks and combines them. Um, so, yeah, I started playing pedal steel, I guess, 20-some-odd years ago because I was living in Texas. And, um, you know, in a place like Austin, you can't throw a rock without hitting a really good guitarist. And so I started playing pedal steel, and um, so it went from there. Like, I ended up uh, doing a lot of session work. I, I, I played in a ton of backing bands. I uh, played in a lot of touring bands. But the summer wardrobe was my own thing. And then we went on to be Rocky Erickson's backing band. Ah, we're going to play some Rocky next hour. Yeah, and... Uh... You and I actually hung out one night in San Francisco at the Great American Music Hall when I played there with Rocky. Ah, you were at the show, and we hung that's out right. afterwards. That's right, because uh, a huge fan and a beautiful man. I, yeah. I, I got to say hi to him at uh, in Chicago at the Lollapalooza. And he walked right off the stage, and I was at the bottom of the stairs. And Much respect to you. Mr. Erickson, and he says, great to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a beautiful man, but his... He was. And I still, uh, I still uh, do a, a bunch of his songs, still, my, uh, uh, interpretations. I, uh, just incredible, his voice and his imagery, and just uh, a big teacher to me. Out of all of the stuff of his that you do, what's kind of your favorite? Sweet Honey Pie, put a bass solo in. Oh, well. Look, we're at the end of the second hour, May 18, 2022, edition Watt Pedro Show. Special guest is John Lyle. Hold tight for hour three. May 18, 2022, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
Uh, it was produced by Stu Cook, the bass player from Creedence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's got a picture of, like, his head ripping open with the dog coming out. Uh, I should tell people, start third hour off with Rocky Erickson with Evil Hook Wildlife E.T. Doing Cold Night for Alligators. Live. Where, where was that? That was at the Castle Clinton National Monument at the southernmost tip of Manhattan Island. Wow. It was an awesome show. Oh, my God. Then we had Crane with, uh, it's come to this, Vex Party, News Briefs, Robert Pollard. Bob Pollard's got a new album. (laughs) I mean, every three months, this guy. (laughs) Come here, beautiful. And then uh, Side A from Half a Dove in New York, Half a Dove in Buenos Aires, Pauline Oliveros and Reynolds. And then the Royal Arctic Institute. Fishing by Lantern. Who came up with that name? Me. John. Okay, John. Enlighten us. Well, that's a thing down on the Gulf Coast. Um, it's, it's, it's referred to as mullet gigging. And so you go out at night with these big lanterns and you, you know, you kind of go into... Like, no, I, I didn't mean the title of the song. I'm talking about the name of the fucking band. 
I know what lantern fishing is. <laughs> the name of the band isn't anywhere near as interesting as mullet gigging. But, uh, <laughs> the name of the band came from a Philip Pullman novel, uh, The Golden Compass. Okay. Have you ever have you ever read those? No. It was a it was, Philip Pullman's this great English author that did this uh, trilogy of books called uh, His Dark Materials, and I guess they came out God about twenty years ago now, and they caused a real fuss at the time because they were children's or like young adult books. But uh, I think that's really, so I, retarded. Make it a genre that's just what what you have old man books. I mean, what the fuck is that about? Because no, I, I see this a problem in music. It's, it seems like Berlin Walls and and Dachau's and uh, Gulags. This this shit of like dividing things into like marketable chunks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's just my little yeah. thing, uh, little things. But anyway, he he caused a fuss yeah. by do, by doing what? Well, I mean, they they were young adult books, but they were you know really him raging against the Catholic Church. That was they they were young adult books, but they weren't. You know, it was really sort of his underhanded way of taking a big old jab at the Vatican, and people got real up in arms about them. But they're oh, brilliant wow. books, and so yeah, there was there there was this committee in the first book called the Royal Arctic Institute, where they did these Arctic expeditions uh, in a sort of alternate Earth. Whoa. Well, you know, they thought that North Pole, there was a hole there. You could get to the other side. Explorations of Dutch guys and Norwegian guys. Yeah, they, they, they thought there was a shortcut, believe it or not. I want to play some more Royal Arctic Institute here. The, the first of the eight.
Watford Pedro Show last music for this edition. First of the eight from the Royal Arctic Institute. And then a mountain offensive, Brother Phil, the WFO R&R version. Maybe rock and roll, huh? Everything's going to be all right eventually. With some funny spelling. He couldn't get into the gig. We were playing in Sacktown a couple weeks ago. I was helping it. Uh, Mike Baguetta, Stephen Hodges, and uh, he wouldn't uh, didn't have vaccination card. Forty eight towns in forty eight days, uh, twelve thousand five hundred eighty miles. I drove them all. I, I wore a mask even in the boat with the guys. You know, it, it, kind of scary. Not not just getting sick yourself, but being a fucking carrier. You know. And then finally, the Royal Arctic Institute with Ghosts of the Great Library. So you book man, John? Oh, yeah, man. I'm a total bibliophile. Yeah, great, great. Because uh, I get a lot of my inspiration uh, from books, too. It's also harder to rip off the licks. <laughs> <laughs> you have to use those couple layers of abstraction there and stuff. But I've been, I've let books inform a lot of my works. Uh, like my first opera, I used Jimmy Joyce and... Uh, What's his name? Richard McKenna. The Sand Pebbles. I'll tell you a book. Yeah, it's the only book he wrote because he died kind of young. He's a machinist mate in the Navy like my pop, but maybe 30, 40 years before him. So he's in China on the Yangtze River. It was me and D. Boone's favorite movie when we were boys, uh, Steve McQueen, 1966. But I, I didn't even know there was a book. And man... I love Steve McQueen in a sailor suit, but Hollywood, they changed the ending. Motherfuckers. Of course. But, yeah, what do you think of that? Hey, tell me, how, how is a, a Royal Arctic Institute song put together? Um, well, historically, up, in, up until about the past year or two, uh, I would, I would kind of come up with the main theme and bring it in, and we would kind of pick it apart. And everybody would write their own parts, and it would end up sounding nothing like what I originally brought in. But over the past, like I said, about a year or two, other band members have started bringing in stuff that they've written, and it has really become this beautiful collaboration. Um, And, you know, any piece of music that's brought in, the thing that excites me the most about it is that once we're all done with it, it sounds nothing like the original piece. And that's really exciting for me. What you're saying, there's kind of an evolutionary process. Absolutely, yeah. And and we are, we are very much a band in, in that sense. Everybody, everybody brings something beautiful to the table. What and about gigs? What about them? Yeah. Tell me about the first one. First one was at an African oh, yeah. gallery. Yeah, booked by uh, Tim Folion by uh, from $2 Guitar. There you go. Tim, yeah, he was on the show. Art. Yeah, so he was booking an African art gallery in Hoboken for a while, and he was having a hard time coming up with bands, and we just started jamming, and he asked us uh, if we wanted to play, and we didn't have a name, and barely had a set, and uh, but he made it so chill that we're like, what do we got to lose, which is basically our whole motto so yeah we played a uh, Hoboken and, and this amazing art gallery for free and uh yeah, we, we played there a bunch we kind of use it as a home base a lot of times since then 
Oh, wow. The first, first gig. And you know, we were, uh, we just, you know, we've been knocking around. You know, we do uh, mainly weekend rock. We did a bunch of, uh, a bunch of shows this uh, February. We were playing two or three dates in a row all the weekends. Cause, you know, dudes have jobs and stuff. So we can't go out and, like. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about tour. Yeah, we can't do it like we used to, but uh, we hit it pretty hard this uh, winter. We did a bunch of shows, and uh, and uh, you know, great. being you a know. northeast band, gigs are kind of close. Yeah. yeah, you can really hit DC and Philly, and you know, if you're going. You're up talking to a nine ninety five tour. Yeah, the i ninety five tour. Yep, yep, yeah, we hit it hard. You can get Boston. You can get uh, Providence. You can get uh, I don't know, a New yeah. Haven. You can get uh, a yeah. Portland, Maine. We, we, we were, we were, more. Either, we either, either we rocked them all or we tried to, you know, right. we're not really, uh, you know, not good, you know, venues aren't dying to have us play. So it's, uh, sometimes it gets a little, little tough getting shows, but, uh, I've always, except for those years, pretty much SST and, the uh, Bob Lawton and booking, I've always booked the shows. So, you know, gig, we must. And where can people find you guys on the internet? You mean there's no Royal Arctic Institute website? Bandcamp. We have yeah, there's. Sorry, we don't have. Yeah, we don't have a straight up website. I, I like I like Bandcamp.com. You know, yeah. and, but I look at those other things. It's like telephone poles to uh, staple flyers on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. so that's why you yeah. know you can get a WordPress site for free. Maybe you guys should do that. Just just some right. stupid suggest from what? Uh, what's your next plans? What's your next plans? Try to, you know, we recorded the last EP with uh, James McNew from uh, Yola, and uh, we're going to hopefully record a few more songs and hopefully eventually press it up into an album. You know, we're just going to keep on keeping on. You know, John Fogarty wrote me a message. I didn't get yeah. to me, he didn't give it to me personally, he gave it to somebody, uh, a kid that was working at his video, Old Man Down the Road. But it said, "Keep on, keep it on," and uh, I, yeah. I, I always use that. Oh, I know. It was it was after oh, yeah. uh, D. Boone got killed, and it's kind of my motto because man, it's really easy to get sad. But I love what you're doing, and uh, you know, by Thanks, other people playing, it inspires me to keep playing too. So I'm 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 so glad that you guys are doing it, and you didn't give up on m- music, John. That's great, and you moved to New York, and uh, yeah. uh, with Lyle there, and it's beautiful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Whenever you guys want to come back on, let me know, okay? Thank you, Mike. It's been awesome. Great to connect. Absolutely. People, it's been the May 18th, 2022 edition. Pedro, she'll keep your powder dry.